hey, this is Richie coming at you from the School of Marketing HQ. Before you dive into the show, I just want to tell you about a brand new short 12-week program we've launched called the Giants Marketing Masterclass. The program gives you access to insights and expert comments from over 25 CEOs and CMOs from major companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, M&S, Pret, and WPP, just to name a few. We focus on six key areas of marketing, customer, brand, commercial, creative, channel, and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. Alrighty, for now, enjoy the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome, Vicky. Great to have you on the show with us. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it's, it's long awaited. We actually, many people won't, won't know that we, we tried before, but we had a bit of a, a, a tech issue. So I'm really glad that uh, it's finally come to pass. So I'm just going to say a few words to intro Vicky to everybody, and then we'll get started. So m- many people will know that Vicky is CEO for GB Snow Sports at a time which is perhaps the most exciting uh, for snow sports in the UK, uh, with uh, Beijing 2022 coming up um, not too far away. And obviously, it's been a tremendously difficult time with all the travel restrictions to keep a machine like GB Snow Sports going. So we'll, get, we'll hear a bit more about that. But just to say a little bit more about Vicky and her background, um, she's also board director of the British Olympic Association, which must be a, a fantastic seat to be in to get that inside view. Um, she was also CEO of in, the Invictus Games, and not least in 2016, when it really came onto the global map helped to establish it as a global platform, took it to the US, and of course worked with uh, some royalty in that sense as well, Prince Harry being at the heart of uh, the Invictus movement. But also, uh, if that wasn't enough, Vicky had a long and distinguished career in the RAF. Uh, so uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but Vicky will have seen trauma, uh, the likes of which many of us just can't imagine, um, which will have helped her develop her own leadership style. And we'll understand a little bit more about what um, the you know, interface between military and the corporate world is. Um, Vicky's actually got more names, uh, letters after name you can imagine. Um, if I get this right, Vicky, OBMB, MA, MSC, BA, FCIPD. So uh, you've, you've been busy, uh, not least because you've also got three young kids. Um, now, I actually, I actually saw you speak in 2019 at the Marketing Society Conference, the, the Brave Conference, uh, a couple of years ago. And you said a couple of things. I made a few notes and I, I kept them. Um, you said something along the lines, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Which, and I think we'll hear a little bit about what it is to run GB Snow Sports as a team and what the role of purpose is in that regard. You also said that you need to kick the arse out of life. Um, so I think we're going for a bit of a, a, a thrill here to hear what makes you tick and what's kept you going through the tough times. And so I'm super delighted to have you on the show, Vicky. You are very, very welcome. Thank you. Vicky, it's an absolute, an absolute pleasure to, to have you on. And I love some of those things uh, that, that you've talked of um, and, and clearly a massive high achiever. Um, I'm going to start off and pick up on one of those quotes. So kick the ass out of life. What does that mean to you? How do you kick the ass out of life? Uh, oh, well, I mean, collecting letters clearly, Richie. But no, I, <laughs> I, um, I, I think for me, it's all about, I think you get out of life what you put in. And, uh, you know, you really, I learned very quickly, you can't take life for granted. You, you know, you don't know what, what's around the corner. And, and um, I think, you know, I found that actually I take every opportunity that comes now. 
uh, and and the doors that open that come with that. And I, people always say, how on earth have you ended up going from, you know, the military into helping setting up the Invictus Games, into setting up what's become the, the rugby centurions with John Schmidt and the, the legends of rugby, you know, those who've been capped a hundred times or more, to GB Snow Sports, to actually helping to set found a fintech in Manchester. How does that actually happen? And I think it's probably because, um, you know, I genuinely enjoy being with people. I particularly enjoy being in a purpose-driven environment and um, and the pleasure I get out of just going for it. I'm fairly risk averse, I have to say. But uh, yeah, the pleasures I get and, and, and what comes back from that, um, you know, there's, there's never a dull moment, as my husband says, never a dull moment in our household. But yeah, it's, it's that. It's just not taking things for granted and actually realising there's a lot more to I've be, clearly been with people who've been blown up and they, um, they incentivise me with that type of mentality. So when, when you say take every opportunity and life's never dull, do you, is, do you think that's something that's grown through time, through what you've experienced? Or, or was that sort of programmed from the beginning? Can you sort of put your finger on where that outlook came from? Um, I probably, if I'm honest with you, Mark, I think it's developed as I've gone. Uh, but, but at the same time, I look at, um, you know, joining the military, um, then, you know, the different roles I've taken on that, some people may have thought really you're gonna go for it and I just have and then you know te- uh, there was an opportunity to set up a water sports center for example for um we'll take on the water sports center for the RAF and so I did and that then led me to being able to help trying to get it adapted for Headley Court and so all the different things I've done I think it's in my I'm quite that way orientated but then having seen and been inspired by others who've been far less fortunate in terms of uh, the challenges they've faced. Actually, it's made me even more so because I think I look at myself and think, you know, if they look, look at what they're up to, um, come on, have a word, you know. So it's if you see a triple amputee swimming two metres in a pool, you have to kick your ass out of bed and get in the pool yourself. <laughs> Do a bit of swimming when you're blessed with all four, right? There's quite, there's quite um, yeah, definitely a combination, I would say. Vicky, it's, it sounds lovely that, you know, you've got such a great sense of groundedness. And I guess that's born through some of those experiences and people that you come across, you know, both at the upper echelons as well as people really on the ground. Um, and, and that's great. And I mean, I'd love to love to hear a little bit about your motivations behind joining the RAF and then the transition, therefore, from RAF into more civilian orientated, high achieving life. Yeah, I think for me, um, I did languages at university. Uh, you know, my dad sadly died when I was, uh, it was a week before my 19th birthday. I think that had quite a big influence. Um, and I, I was at Leeds at the time. And I was massively into sport, played sports of all my life. Um, did languages, so enjoyed the thought of travelling and had a bit of an obsession with helicopters. So um, actually, I thought, well, if I... If I, it was, it was bizarre the way it sort of all came to me. I was thinking, what can I do that actually could sort of tick all those boxes? And then I happened to, went to an air display and I was thinking, you know what, I could probably tick them all. If I fly helicopters, I can speak different languages because I'll be traveling around. I'll get to do loads of sports. I've I've had a good look at all the different um, services and thought they seem to do a lot of sport. I thought I could ski in the winter. I can play tennis in the summer. And um, and I'll probably get all of it in one go. Plus, I'll be surrounded. It'd be a bit like being, a, if I'm honest, 
when I went to go and visit the base and I saw that they all lived sort of in the officer's mess, I thought it's going to be a bit like being a student living in halls, but with money. So I thought, that's it. I'm in. I'm going to go and do it. <laughs> and uh, and that was the start of my um, time in, in the Air Force. And I, I never looked back, I think. But um, the reality was actually in 2003, um, the realities of war really hit me because I joined to do all of these amazing things, which... I absolutely did. I ended up even um, doing some of the interpreting when Pinochet was uh, was uh, being was leaving our country. So that was so I spent a lot of time with the Chileans, which was really good fun. So my Spanish came to the fore. Um, but actually, the realities award definitely kicked in in two thousand and three, uh, and that was a, that was probably a real it was a grounding moment for me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about trauma. Um, but, but also purpose, you mentioned purpose. And I'm really interested to understand how, what you learned about purpose in the military translated into what you've done subsequently. Yeah, I think, um, Mark, what, what you learn in the military is you're surrounded by like-minded people who are driven by a common purpose because they're not there for profit-making. You know, it's not profit-orientated. It's very mission-orientated when you're in the military. And, um, and actually, you have shared values because you're all driven to the same thing. You commit yourself. The fact that you'll go to hell and back and go back again pretty much says that actually um, you're definitely driven by the mission that you're there to, to, uh, to serve. And I found out that, that actually the more you can align to a common purpose and surround yourself with people with a shared vision, it's so much easier to just get things done. And, and I definitely like to see impact I like to see what what has the impact been. I'm not, um, I can't say I've ever been driven by making money per se. Um, it's more, I mean, I enjoy nice things, don't get me wrong, but actually, and I love holidays and 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 um, and being able to travel, et cetera. But the reality is I do enjoy, I do enjoy making a difference. And I think the military grounding of being surrounded by people who make a difference and actually find where there's a will, there's a way, I always say. And I also think that I learned really quickly not to look at things as a problem. I look at them as a puzzle. There's always the pieces there. It's just how you find them and then slot them into the jigsaw that, that seems to pay off in the end. Whereas if you see it as a problem, it's really actually it's a bit daunting before you start, isn't it? It's a bit like COVID when it kicked in. I was thinking, oh God, here we go again. We're, um, it was a bit, I was saying when we went into lockdown, I almost felt that we'd gone back to uh, get, get, being deployed for six months and being sort of stuck there for six months and thinking, well, okay, let's make do with what we've got and let's have some fun. And made, we made some, uh, some camels out of cardboard boxes and made some dice and we came up with some great things actually the cats entertained for the period of time but it was a little bit like going into lockdown you suddenly you, you you know there's the fear because you don't know what's coming you know you don't know what's you don't know what's out there this is sort of in in uh, 2003 we weren't quite sure what the enemy threat was so but what was going to happen to us a bit like covid i guess in a way and but at the same time there's there's lack of movements so you can't really go anywhere and you don't really know when it's going to finish so that was my comparison bizarrely um what, a, what, what an interesting reference point, really, and one that's probably not, you know, probably very, fairly atypical to, to the rest of us. So I think that in itself is a great, great perspective to have. Um, do you know, Vicky, I suspect you could have probably, you know, done an entire lifetime at the RAF and, and been very successful in doing so. 
So what then, you know, made you kind of go that trigger moment where you kind of went, actually, you know, time's done here, need to move on and do other things. What was that? What was that moment in time like? Well, I think, I mean, roll back to 2013. I was due to deploy, actually. I was a group captain sat at um, RF Benson, which was a helicopter base. And I was due to deploy um, out to Afghanistan. And then uh, life changed pretty quickly when I um, had the opportunity to then go and help set up what became the Invictus Games um, because I'd become a bit of a guru of adaptive sports. So help set up an adaptive tennis centre where I played tennis at RAF Holton and, and similar with the RAF Water Sports Centre. And um, so I then got very involved in helping uh, do the game. So everything from getting the nations um, behind us, so flying out to all the nations and trying to convince them to, to, to take part in what became the Invictus Games. Using the mantra, we, you know, we've, we've trained together, we fight together, now we're going to recover together. Um, and getting the nations that we'd fought alongside in Afghanistan and Iraq to join us and come on board. So it's very much my job to go and find the, the movers and shakers in each of the different nations we wanted to invite and bring them on board, but also work with uh, the BBC on the documentary, telling stories, um, getting out there and helping work through the brand, the I Am brand, which is now. And I and obviously the event side of it. Um, so it was a big, uh, you know, it's a complete game changer in terms of put, turning my hand to that and then when I was asked, would I um, then go on to, to, to the States and become the CEO? Um, and I, I just actually, I was thinking, you know, this, I absolutely love the Air Force, but I can do so much more uh, probably on the outside than I can on the inside. And um, again, you know, all about kicking the outside of life and life's for living and take those opportunities. And the opportunity came and I couldn't turn it down really. So that was it. And then before I knew it, it was, you know, next next stop was John Schmidt and the Rugby Centurions. Next stop was, um, you know, GB Snowsport, what, what was British skiing and snowboarding. And then, and the FinTech was somewhere in the mix. So yeah, it's been a little bit crazy, but I'm glad I did it. The experience has served me very well, though, don't get me wrong, Richie, really well. I can imagine it's an amazingly inspiring thing to be a part of, just as a snippet of this. And I think, you know, Sally Orange, but um, I met Sally Orange um, as part of a charity event that I organised and uh, she ran part of a marathon. She was uh, dressed as a pineapple um, and, and she holds the world record for the most marathons run dressed up as different fruits. But I mean, that's just a snapshot of some of the amazing people that you must have met through Invictus. So can you tell us maybe your most inspiring moment from uh, from, from that period? Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, Mark, there were that, so many. Uh, I mean, just... Um, I think someone like Dave Henson, really close friend of mine, he, uh, you know, he's blown up um, in 2011, lost both legs and then ended up going on, teaching himself to run on, on his, uh, his prosthetics, you know, um, on his blades. And he went on to win a bronze medal at the uh, Paralympics in 2016, you know, five years later. But actually he got really into his running, largely through Invictus as well. So he saw his capability there. But I also saw... Um, you know, uh, I mentioned the triple amputee swimming. I saw um, people who had been really, you know, really struggled with PTSD, with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, uh, you know, being able to reintegrate with their families because you were effectively bringing these individuals together who could learn from each other, be inspired by each other and realise they're not alone. And actually the power of sport in the recovery process is unbelievable. It took people from 
feeling a sense of destitution and what on earth is going to happen to me next, you know, to actually realising that all their comrades were still out there. They could still put on a uniform or be a sports kit uniform and go and have some fun and find sport and um, and be competitive and, and have that sense of camaraderie. Uh, that, that was huge. But I think the unconquered spirit that all of them show in terms of getting back on their feet, even though they might not have any because they've been blown off, you know, getting back up there and going for gold. And the entrepreneurial flair that a lot of these these men and women have is incredible as well. So, so many to just put it into one, um, particularly having seen that many different uh, games now. I've, you know, managed to to obviously witness um, Sydney and Canada too. So there's been a lot of great experiences. You know, Vicky, as part of your uh, your journey of kicking the arse out of life and, and, and picking up all those uh, amazing letters after your name, um, no doubt you'd have had some stumbles uh, along the way in being able to achieve that. And just love to maybe hear about some of those reflections about, you know, how do you pick yourself up when things don't go to plan? Oh, I mean, there have been many challenges, as you know, I think we'll all have gone through. Um, yeah, I think... GB Snow Sports was tough when it came in because, um, you know, I, I literally came in, it was British Ski and Snowboarding, and it was actually a, um, a quite interesting in terms of quite male-dominated, I would say, uh, although I wasn't, you know, I'd obviously come from the military and that's quite male-dominated, isn't it? Um, and But with a great sort of, with a perception of how it should be, it's been the same way for many a year. And here I was coming in and saying, right, I want to merge it with para. I want to expand, expand the disciplines you're doing. I want to rebrand. And you've all got your own little brand like para Nordic and it's right, you know, um, British Nordic and British Alpine. And I want to make all GB snow sports. And um, I want us to have this really strong vision that's to become a highly competitive nation in snow sport by 2030. And everyone thought I was barking mad because we don't actually have that much snow and the mountain ranges aren't the best. And um, we haven't really done it before. And uh, that was quite unstabling, I think, for some people. So I got a lot of pushback, to be fair. Um, and actually, um, when you tell people it's not the way you want to go, well, they can be quite interesting. And and so one of the worst moments I think I've had, actually, most recently, was during COVID, obviously, complexities of COVID. It's like running a military exercise, trying to get 12 different squads out into the mountains anyway, or, or lock them down with as much gym kit as you can, because we've got the Beijing is in six months' time. And we've got the best opportunity we've ever had. And um, there was uh, a, um, a disgruntled group of men who didn't particularly like the way I was doing business. And they decided that they were going to um, create. I hadn't listened well enough, I don't think. Uh, well, I sort of had, but chose not to do anything about the noise. And so they went to the Daily Mail um, and put a double page spread. I was pretty upset about the, the photo they used because really unflattering but yeah they they did a double page spread criticizing um gb snow sports for exploiting athletes um with the cost that they were putting into the program now they made it sound like we charged all of the athletes you know twenty seven thousand pounds a go um which is absolutely untrue in and we've got 144 athletes and of the 144 athletes there were a couple of athletes that were contributing an amount of money purely because they weren't in the world-class program but they but it, they sold this story as if it was 
I mean, it was terrible the way that they did it. And it was so unbalanced. But I managed to kick it back and get it reversed. However, the, when it got reversed in the mail, of course, it was only two lines compared to the two big double page spread. That for me was quite shocking because I hadn't actually, I realised that people could, I mean, you hear the media and I've, you know, you know, sadly I've seen quite a lot with the royals and everything else that comes and you do realise that there can be, you know, clickbait. But when it's about you, it's pretty personal, isn't it? And having built this thing from nothing, I'd taken it from 5.2 million to 15 million in a two year period, grown it and got more medals and, and more podiums across more, disciplines than ever in British history and here it was in this double page spread with none of that but actually you know she's a monster that's exploiting athletes financially it was fascinating and I had I probably had a really bruised ego for about and I took it really personally because I was thinking oh, everyone's gonna think that's true um but then I had to have a word about the fact that actually it was the Daily Mail and and um it wasn't you know actually true and I went I went to task in combating it actually I was like right know your enemy and figure this one out and you know it's come on Vicky you know better than this you can you can figure this one out so um I did I got to the bottom of why it happened where it where it come from and it was a puzzle it's basically piecing the bits of the puzzle together from the the origination through to how to actually put some balance around what had happened and uh and after shaking myself up and of course I couldn't everybody else within the organization was so downtrodden about it as well and we're in COVID and everyone's a bit depressed anyway and we need a bit of good news so I couldn't just go down with it I had to then sort of come back and and say right come on then what can we do about it let's challenge it and um and let's make sure that if there are any truth factors that we need to address let's address it and let's move on but you don't expect these things um they, they when they come like that when you think you're doing everything well you know you just don't expect it do you and it kind of knocks you off your pedestal for a little bit but then it's all about actually looking at what the facts are, looking at what's within your gift and what's not within your gift and actually focusing on the positives that could come out of it. And they have, you know, there's never a bad story in a way. I've learned. I didn't think so at the time. Well, it's, yeah, it's, there's that phrase, any, any PR is good PR. But I mean, of course it hurts, but it sounds like what you learned from the first part of your career, so studying good stead to how to deal with that moment. But, but it leads on to the obvious question, sort of where do you, where do you get your validation from? Because everybody needs some form of validation. Where do you think yours comes from? Yeah, um, I think mine comes from, so it depends on which role I'm doing. So in, in GB Snow Sports, it comes from the athletes. It comes from, you know, are they happy? Because athlete, happy athletes are performing athlete. You know, it comes from the athletes and it comes from the staff and the coaches. And, and um, seeing them succeed and thriving and actually loving what's going on, that's my validation. That's, that's a good day because then, you know, um, you're doing something right. And I think when it comes to the fintech, it's do we have how many customers have we saved money for over this period of time? And have we created financial capability and resilience for them? How many customers have we changed their journey and their pathway and take them out of the dire straits they're in? That's, that's going to be really critical for that sort of validation. But probably as well, I, I tend to look at my family, you know, because I've got three young kids um, and a really amazing husband. And so having them being happy and thriving, I think is a big validation. But you do have self-doubt. I mean, everybody has self-doubt. I have imposter syndrome all the time. I think I said in, you know, in the Olympic board meetings and 
and sometimes think, well, how have I got here? This is bizarre, you know. Uh, but actually, you know, while, while I'm still there, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I, I, I do think it's, it's people. I think people are the best feedback and listening to people rather than just constantly, although I've done it to you, unfortunately, haven't I? I just, rather than just talking all the time, it's just listening, um, you know, listening and hearing what people are saying and taking it on board. You know what, I, uh, Vicky, at the same time, I think what um, what struck me about what you said in, in your last answer was that you you listened, but you you chose not to hear the noise. And I think that's actually quite insightful um, because there are moments in time when you've actually got to blinker out certain things and continue on and focus down in what you're doing. And and I think listening sometimes, I mean, listening, of course, is, is important, but knowing when to knowing when to take action and when not to take action with, with what you hear is is quite important too. I think that is so important, Richie. It's also really important in elite sport because you, you we call it 80-20. If you get distracted by all the noise all the time, you're never going to perform. You know, you, you need to, wh- where does it really matter? Where does it really count? And when can you pull it out? You know, when you absolutely need to. If you use all of the day, I always think that every single one of us has been blessed with a toolkit and you get these tools to use and some of them you, you've got a prize couple of tools in there that you really don't want to just keep using willy-nilly because you'll effectively you know probably degrade them so they're not fit for purpose when you genuinely want to pull it out the bag so you can't go at everything you know hammer and tong you have to you know actually choose when you pull those things out but the focus is really important and not being distracted by things that actually don't really matter but I do think life's experience and certainly certainly being in the military helps you figure out really quickly what is important when you're making those decisions and what's going to count. Mm. In, in terms of making things count, uh, you're, you're an ambitious person, so we should all be optimistic, hopefully, for, the, uh, for 2022, six months' time. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how, six months out, how preparation's going, what's, what's happening? Uh, I mean, it's it's great. It's really exciting. I, I mean, it was tough because, of course, everybody's distracted by Tokyo. So we're sort of trying to build the freight up and saying, right, what do we need to take? You know, kit, equipment, making sure that, um, and of course, constantly COVID sort of lurks in the background where you've got, um, you know, uh, the restrictions are heavy going. So we can't get into Beijing um, and we can't get into the test events. So it may be that the first time the athletes have it actually act you know go on to these um competition slopes is the real deal so that that's interesting but we're we're, i mean i've just this morning before i came on here pat sharples our head coach has just been messaging me with videos um of him out in sasfe which looks you know amazing and the athletes are all there training we've got all the different squads here there and everywhere and they're all on snow which is fabulous um and hopefully they're going to be stronger and fitter and, and better than they ha- ever have before. Because some of the positives of COVID was when we put them into lockdown mode, we literally, they, they had the, it's the first time they probably had a lack of traveling and they were focused on core stability, core strength and conditioning. So that was helpful in a way. And they've come out and they're, they're doing really, really well. I mean, Brexit is challenging because of the 90 and 180 day ruling. So you can imagine we don't have that many uh, great mountains here to be skiing in so we need to get them into Europe um so we're again it's it, it, it is like a, a a military exercise trying to navigate you know the, the restrictions that we're we're facing but it's going well we have never and um, Hannah my heart I can say this ever had such strength and depth across the different disciplines in snow sport 
ever before. So when people tune in, I think um, in February, February the 4th is when the, uh, the the Winter Olympics kick off and then March the 4th is when the Paralympics kick off. But when people tune in, I think, you know, we, we're used to just sort of looking, watching and seeing the odd Union Jack here and there. Well, actually, um, when you look at moguls, when you look at alpine, when you look at snowboard or border cross or ski cross or slope style or half pipe, you're literally going to see top of the game athletes that are competing for the podium which is so exciting so i can't wait that's awesome um you know you just put a smile on my face there it's going to be an amazing amazing event and i'm still suffering from olympic fever right right now as well at the moment so it's just great to hear that it's going to be invigorated come come early next year so it's going to be really cool and good fun um vicky i want to ask um you know you come across as a you know as someone who you, you talked about imposter syndrome that doesn't really come through much at all quite frankly um you know, it feels like you're quite self-assured and, and I'm, I'm sure that's a consequence of experience. But I'd love to hear from you about the role that mentors have played in your life and maybe how they've potentially shaped your perspective. And as part of that, do you mentor anybody? Um, and how, is, how has that helped you um, in, in, in your role? Mentors are really key. <laughs> For me, really key. And the reason being is is when I've come to make those decisions, you know, I was, I've been blessed with having different opportunities coming. As I said, I've grabbed them all week. I mean, in practicality, you can't grab them all when it comes to employment because, you know, you have to choose sometimes, don't you? But And then how do you ensure that you're choosing the right thing is, it, I think that's, that's quite an interesting dilemma. Or how do you make sure, you know, are you on the right career path? Is it what you want to be doing? Is that ultimately going to get you here? That, I think, on your own and understanding how can you progress within where you want to head and knowing how to shape that is, again, is really difficult. So mentors have been really, really key. And again, you know, I use the, the Daily Mail um, piece. I tell you what was really helpful is a couple of um, really good people like Clive Woodward, for example. He reached out straight away and was like, right, let's have it. Let's have that coffee within a day, you know. Let's get that coffee. Um, we can't sit in a cafe because of COVID, but we will have the coffee <laughs> two meters apart. Um, and and helping you know me with experiences, you know, um, is and what they what they've endured, and it it's so key. I, I think um, having the right people around you that give you the good advice and that are positive communicators because they also. Um, you know, have got experience in life is is really important because you can have nice. A lot of people also, I think, you know, it's tough sometimes because you can have um, people around you that sometimes may not want you to get where you're heading. Um, and the naysayers, I tend to, I always say to, when I, when I meet amazing, talented people and they say, you know, I'm really struggling with my boss. And I say, hmm, is your boss a B-lister? And they say, what does that mean? And I said, well, because B-listers don't like A-listers. They tend to keep them squished. Whereas if you get an A-lister boss, the A-lister boss will love you and they'll help you thrive. So, um, wow. you know, it's, it's making sure you surround yourself with A-listers, I always say, who have the capability are don't have the insecurity and are able to have enough capacity to take you with them and and let you learn too i think some people will have just had an epiphany that maybe they have a b-list of boss um, <laughs> sorry for uh, all the bosses also, yeah. <laughs> also very 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 good to get your your take on mentoring in general um just for everybody watching or on playback 
Um, if you're 16 to 27, of course, School of Marketing does have a mentoring Gen Z scheme. We've got over 1,200 people signed up now, hopefully every day, giving great advice to people to help them in guiding in their careers. But Vicky, I want to turn a bit, a little bit towards diversity. So diversity, equity and inclusion have really um, rightfully so become much more of a hot topic through the COVID period. Um, a, a woman in the military, um, as you said, the, the Paralympics, um, Paralympic Games, um, you, you must have a strong view on how we're progressing or not quickly enough, maybe in terms of diversity within our society and in general. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think everybody's eyes have certainly turned to it and I can see a lot more activity um, in this space. We've just set up a, um, I mean, you see it in snow sport, as I mentioned right at the beginning, it's very male dominated, but actually the reality is um, we've just set up a, and, and also very white, um, so we've set up a, um, a, a project called Project Balance, which is um, using the power of skateboarding actually to drive the kids into snow sports to hopefully find the next talent. And it is working. So that's brilliant. We did it in Westminster. We have 30 kids from Westminster Academy, 15 girls, 15 boys, all from really diverse backgrounds, I have to say. And we, we gave them 30 hours of skateboarding um, with pads and helmets and lessons. And then we got them into the snow dome. And that that has been phenomenal already in terms of opening up more diverse talent to get them through the pipeline above. And the more activities that you can see that are um, actually, you know, not playing a game or tick boxing, but doing stuff that really makes it happen. You know, I would say some people talk about it, it happening. Some people, you know, want it to happen, but some people make it happen. Just be a person that makes it happen rather than talking about it or wanting it, because that's, I find that quite frustrating. I think it's just chimmy your actions and then I'm on, I'm on your shit, basically. Um, uh, and I believe what you're actually doing. And there, there's a lot of activity that's definitely happening. I think there can, there can always be more, but it is all about the actions rather than the words for me in our society and, and and just to that point um you know vicky when you're talking about and i know we've talked a lot about seizing the opportunity in the moment but actually there's a lot of young people out there right now who are going through a lot of flux whether they be trying to get their first role being made redundant being furloughed um and are really struggling to kind of get back on on that bandwagon and i would just like to get your views on what what advice you would potentially give them as to how to maybe create opportunity and then take it yeah, I, I think um, there is, you know, it is all about looking, listening and, and seizing the opportunities that I've said. I th- with the way that the world's going at the moment, it's really interesting because and we, if you're talking about marketing specifically, I'm just thinking about your audience, um, you know, the narrative, the communication, the getting the word out there, the messaging is so important now for people, for brands, for organisations, for whoever they may be. And I don't think there's a better time for people to be in that space, if I'm really honest, because, you know, I was just talking to you both this morning, Mark and Richie, about, you know, I'm so desperate to now start telling the narrative, telling the story, but telling it in a cool way, using the digital platform to effectively increase the eyeballs on what we're up to. Um, And people who have talent and skill in that, you know, in in that sector, it's, it's a great time to be there because people... Uh, you know, are no longer just holding back. People want to communicate and people want to be able to, the competitive edge will come from all these different organisations who want to be right out there telling their story. And I think, you know, that marketing it is, is you know, is the way forward, isn't it, really? So 
I think it's an exciting time. I think it's holding, you know, grafting. You don't, you have to, I always say that, you know, people with talent, um, you know, uh, it, those that work hard supersede those with talent if the ones with talent don't work hard. So it's a gra- it takes a graft. It doesn't just come on a plate. I've learned that. I wish I did, but I've learned that pretty hard. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the work pays off. It doesn't feel like it sometimes because, you know, I mean, my, helping set up the rugby centurion starts, you know, it's one step forward, it's five steps back, it's two steps forward, it's 10 steps back. But but it's knowing that actually grab the positive times when they come and then see where they can take you next and focus on the daily, you know, what is work, what's, what's basically worked for you and what, what's been a brilliant win and then try not to focus on the bad bit, learn from the bad bits, but focus on the positives and, and the, there will always end up being more positives if you, if you focus your mind that way. Mm. You, you said the work pays off. It make, makes, it reminds me of there's quite a conversation about how many medals we must win as a nation in the Olympics and, and the Winter Olympics. Um, so, so I'm really interested to understand from your point of view, how do you measure success? Because there's, there's input measures, you know, the effort and the, the, the building blocks. There's output measures, which may be personal bests or whatever it is. And then there's outcome measures, outcome measures, which will be the medals on the medal table. How, how do you sort of balance across those different aspects? Um, well, ultimately, because we have, uh, we're operating 360 days a year, so, and we have tons of, it's not just about the Olympics, you know, we have a um, vast amount of Europa Cups and World Cups and World Championships. And so those, those competitions, we don't, we don't look at it like, you know, bronze over gold, we look at it top eight, top 12, you know, so you've got podium potential, podium um, competitive. And actually making sure so a, that we measure the success by what is the funnel looking like? What talent are we growing through this? How diverse is that talent across the different disciplines and including the power space? And um, how are we going to ensure that we are seriously competitive by 2030? So we look further ahead. And then the wins, as I say, is I have a cultural health check once a year. You know, some some sports choose not to do the whole in-depth one. We do the entire in-depth one because we want to know how are people feeling. That culture health check is a massive measure of success for me because that when I came in, it was toxic. It literally came back. I got handed it two days after I started. And I was like, oh, my God. And then um, literally a couple of years in, and I was thinking, I'm not a miracle worker, but a couple of years in, you know, it is completely done a 180. And that's a massive measure of success. You have to, I mean, it doesn't mean your job's done because you have to keep on the on the pedal with that. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, growing the participation is also a measure of success, Mark, just understanding, you know, how many people. But, and finally is, um, is I mean, there's multiple, but the, I measure consistently eyeballs on relevant to your audience. I'm, I'm constantly thinking, how many eyeballs are on what we're doing? How many followers have we got on GB Sport? You know, how many people know what a mogul field is? You know, it, 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 that's really, that's a big measure for us in terms of um, understanding, are we taking people with us? Because we effectively want to use our incredible stories to inspire this nation to follow us. And, um, and the more we can tell them, the easier it is for people to get behind them. Sounds great. Well, a big, a big uh, rallying call for marketing there in that sense. Yeah, massively. Which is, which is brilliant. Um, Vicky, we're coming to the end of, of our episode, unfortunately. So I'm just going to probably end with one, perhaps a slightly more lighthearted question, which is, uh, what's it like to work with the Royals? <laughs> um, yeah, 
I mean, amazingly privileged um, to do so, and and you know, particularly seeing they are incredible. I have to say, I've I've, I've been privileged to to work with a, a couple of them, and they um, in different areas, and they really put their shoulder behind what it is that they are trying to achieve. Um, you know, and they're all trying to support, and and they will really use their platform well um, in in many cases to support the passion that they have and the mission that they want to achieve. I mean, we wouldn't be where we were with uh, Invictus Games without Prince Harry. We wouldn't be, you know, um, I have to say, um, uh, Prince Edward is amazing for GB Snowsport. Princess Anne sits on the Olympic board and they, they are big grafters when it comes to actually, you know, putting their shoulder behind things and, and actually getting... Um, behind the, the the projects that they've put their, their patronage or whatever it is too. So Vicky, unfortunately we are out of time. It's gone by in a, an absolute flash. It's been a it's been a privilege to have you on actually. I've really enjoyed it. And um, what we always do at the end is just to give a few of the playbacks that we some of the key points that we've heard, um, just to sort of put a put a, a wrapper on it. Um, I mean I think your notion of grasping every opportunity is probably sort of one of the most sort of, you know, understated things you could have said, because boy, have you grasped every opportunity. Um, we, we didn't quite get to where the obsession for helicopters actually came from, but obviously that started the chain of events, which has enabled you in many different guises to make a difference, which is what you said really, really drives you. Um, and, and, you know, some of the things you talked about in terms of being inspired by people, triple amputees trying to swim, uh, you, you are incredibly grounded and humble, um, despite all that you've achieved, um, but still managed to kick the ass out of life. And I'm, I'm still hanging on to that expression. Um, the, my observation is the combination of COVID and Brexit and trying to get ready for a Winter Olympics. And you talk about it being a puzzle, but probably your military training was the, the perfect context for everything that you have achieved. And I'm sure we'll go on to. Um, a key moment for me was when you talked about you, you, you've chosen what to listen to. And I think everybody should take out of that. Also, beware the B-list uh, boss. Um, uh, loved your take on mentoring. Project balance, what a wonderful thing. Uh, and then, of course, not least, as Richie says, the, the, the likening of um, the, the success funnel to the marketing funnel. Um, but it's been wonderful. I really loved to have you on. And I would say best of British luck for February the 4th and March the 4th. I'm sure we'll smash it. And it's just been a privilege having you on. So I'll hand over to Richie to, for his take as well. But thank you very much, Vicky. Uh, yeah, Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. Um, Mark, you, you've pretty much stolen all the thunder this morning from, from those key takeaways. But it was absolutely just, just left to say that I, I too am sort of sitting here fully inspired and enthused about both marketing, but also the fact that we've got a really exciting event coming up early next year that we can all get behind and all champion as well. So Vicky, thank you really for for actually elevating British GB snow sports in that way, because actually without, without you and your, your leadership, and I'm sure uh, a plethora of people behind you, you know, we wouldn't be where we are in that area, which is a massive, you know, massive uplift for us here in the UK. So it's just a really, really big thanks for that. Um, guys, just to end on, as you know, we are here every Friday, 8 a.m. Uh, next week, we've got another special guest for all of you. Um, um, we've got Pano coming on. So Pano is the CEO of Pret-a-Manger, They've been going through a massive bout of change as well. But Pano is a massive champion of young people um, and helping um, the next generation come through. So he um, is going to be another exciting guest for you in this time next week. So until then, have a great week. Yeah.